This is SaaS Scaled, the podcast where data meets action, with host Arman Shraki. Each week, Arman will be sitting down with CEOs and industry leaders from the technology sector, giving you the insight to innovate without reinventing the wheel. They'll discuss challenges, best practices, and how to identify the right metrics. So if you want to get to market faster and in a way that matters, then subscribe and join us every week as we discuss SaaS Scale. This episode is brought to you by Curve, the modern no-code analytics solution for SaaS companies on AWS. The tools you need to take action with your data on a platform built for maximum scalability, security, and cost efficiencies. If you're ready to reduce complexity and dramatically lower costs, then contact us today at Curve.com. That's Q-R-V-E-Y.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of SaaS Scaled. I'm here with Jason Radisson, CEO and founder at Mobile. Jason, welcome. Arman, thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the company, maybe a story that how you ended up starting this company. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Jason Radisson, uh, multiple founder, uh, of a couple of different tech companies. Uh, first, when I began my career in the uh, algorithms and applied math space, and uh, then um, in e-commerce and uh, sort of the last decade or so, I've been heavily involved in the future of work and, and gig economy companies, uh, Uber, 99 Taxis, uh, Rappi in, in Latin America. Um, the idea for Movo was uh, I was basically thinking about the gig worker and sort of what was next for the gig worker from a worker perspective and from a technology perspective. Uh, the platforms that we use in the gig economy or used in the gig economy uh, were super heavily automated, uh, very intelligent platforms that managed kind of all aspects of work. And the way I would describe it is they're more like a massive multiplayer online game than they are an ERP platform or a traditional cloud SaaS product. Um, so I was really thinking about how to take that experience into big companies, um, how to help workers get ahead, how to help workers find jobs as easily as they could in the gig economy, and then how to bring these really awesome tools to big enterprises. Fantastic. So you mentioned gig economy, and of course, we are entering into a new world that is way more sophisticated <laughs> than it used to be for our fathers and grandfathers. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, so definitely, you know, flexibility plays a big role. People are going after flexibility. Gig economy is part of it and more options. And then at the same time, this is going to also introduce more sophisticated rules when it comes how to really manage this kind of work environments and technology can help fortunately at the age we are to overcome that and just making sure that you know we still can manage it in a benefit and benefit actually the workers benefit the companies benefit the yeah. customers users uh, in the new age of ai 
it's also important to leverage that technology because then it helps us to even better manage that sophistication, right? So I know that AI is a big part of what you guys do. How do you see that from your perspective on different fronts? Of course, based on my understanding, I feel like you are thinking about gig economy to get bigger, not smaller. So you see that as a very kind of, you know, big part of the economy in the future, it's going to grow. And then what kind of, you know, flexibility and sophistication might be needed to manage it and how AI might be helpful in that regard. For sure. I think um, I'm going to go meta for a second, but I think the the big AI in the future of work is is a scheduling AI, essentially. And it's it's sort of, um, you know, big companies' abilities to move workers around and slot them into the best possible spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, we need some scheduling, uh, you know, structure and repeatability. Otherwise, you can't run factories and hospitals and things. Um, but uh, there's a lot of flexibility around the edges of that. That's where I think we find a lot of win-wins. Uh, we can be more personalized in allowing workers to find a flexible schedule. We can be more flexible in terms of bringing in people on part-time, uh, bringing in gig uh, types of, of jobs uh, to help fill out the schedule. I think that's one of the biggest applications for AI in the workplace. Um, you know, before even kind of talking about hiring decisions and, and other things, um, it really is, it starts with scheduling and career pathing and the kinds of things that we've called internal labor marketplace or internal marketplace. Um, I think we're going to find those more prevalent in all kinds of, of big companies in particular. Um, so, so in this particular case, then Based on my understanding, you say there are very obvious use cases that AI can help that are yeah. low hanging fruits. And we start from there. And then as we learn how to tackle those issues and those, you know, challenges and yeah. do a great job, that paves the way for many other use cases that maybe are secondary and so forth and, you know, so on and so forth. So, so, so from, from that aspect, definitely if we could solve 100% be very easy to work with and we could solve that scheduling problem, then you would say that would facilitate a lot of, you know, just make it easier to really go and just start yeah. a, geek, a geek, a kind of, you know, economy based on gig economy, a startup or a business. A lot of, exactly. I think that's where a lot of the um, initial benefits, some of the biggest levers are. Um, those are also, they're not, they're, they're not the kind of thing where you're just going to be able to apply a general large language model to because you've got, you've got to inform your system with internal data, excuse me, you know, internal career success data, yeah. um, internal qualifications data and things like that. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest ones because, you know, put another way, imagine that you could get 10 or 20% more workforce effectiveness and productivity out of a Walmart, out of a Target, uh, you know, out of a Boeing. Mm. Um, that's the kind of promise that's out there. Um, 
So I think I think that's one of the biggest levers for AI really in our economy and, and you know, as sort of as we look at the next sort of 10 years out, um, I think that's where a lot of the benefits will come. It starts there. Um, but there are there are other very clear uh, use cases. You know, we've been working in in Movo. And I think one of the things that we solved at the beginning of the pandemic that's really, you know, continues uh, to prove very useful in the economy is our ability to hire people uh, pretty much automatically and fully credentialed people, people with college degrees, people with graduate degrees, people in very sophisticated jobs where, you know, if the volume is high enough, you've got really strong signal um, and you're able to have a very fair system that sort of takes away, um, you know, definitely all of the time lag of having to deal with scheduling, a bunch of human interventions, um, and really gives HR departments, um, you know, a lot of flexibility because they're they're freeing up 80, 90 percent of their time that they would be dealing with kind of paperwork and, and instead able to focus just really on the interventions and interactions with candidates that really matter. I think that's that's kind of one of the other really big use cases for AI. And you don't see a lot of it out there. A lot of the traditional cloud guys and ERP guys have really focused on kind of applicant tracking systems and even just the name. It's sort of like, you know, it's 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 software to accompany a manual process rather than really using software for what software does best for for automating things that are kind of low value processes. Um, I think I think that one is, you know, we're going to see a lot more of it and and probably partially because of what's happening on the large language model front where people are also sort of seeing, well, you know, it used to be writing job descriptions was something that required, you know, a high degree of skill for or you know, writing interview questions or evaluating interview answers and all of these things. Now we're finding that there are models that do that really well. We really don't need humans uh, nearly as much already today and just wait another year or two. Um, mm. I think that that sort of manual side of recruiting is really going to go by the wayside. Um, you're fascinating. So, uh, Essentially, many of these industries are pretty old, and one of these things that you just mentioned, and AI mm -hmm. is giving a leapfrog to kind of you know many of these new companies to really do those kind of things very more efficiently and faster and better, and and uh, changing the process of recruiting for the even interviewing, even job description reviews or resumes reviews or scoring the candidates or even when they are on board managing them and all of these processes that are going to be rewritten in the next five years. And we should just rethink about everything that we have done in the past and see how it's going to be done in the next five to 10 years. Uh, now, how does it impact SaaS in general? Because SaaS as a software, as a service subscription, rather than just you provide the software as a technology and you perpetually, like old days, you own it. Um, now in the new age, of course, in the SaaS age, now you are looking at it as a software that you use it as a service, meaning that you may not even looking at it as a technology or software anymore. There's nothing you do it, you do with it. You don't, you know, you just go there and just for most cases, for many of these SaaS applications, very easy to get it started and you use it as a service. And while you are subscribed to it, you, you know, take advantage of whatever functionality they provide to you. Now with this kind of new era that we are starting and all of these discussions that we just had, 
How do you feel like SaaS is going to change in the next five to 10 years based on these? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think the, the, the short answer is very dramatically. And, um, I think we're already seeing it, you know, if I, if I think of, of my own team and, and sort of what I'm seeing more broadly in the industry, um, you know, there is a lot of sort of the, the mid-level and entry-level roles, um, are already significantly enhanced uh, by LLMs um, and and sort of the current state of of AI, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can there are you can Google this stuff. You know, there are prompts in Chat GPT where you can literally have Chat GPT write product requirement documents for almost any product feature you could think of. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's really good in in some languages in particular. You know, you can kind of do it really sort of the more basic things of integration work, you know, if you're thinking of sort of backend teams working on APIs and, and kind of standard integrations, um, basic Python, data crunching, a lot of those kind of entry-level software jobs, you know, are really, I don't want to say that the engineers are all going away, but an engineer becomes 10 times more productive, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just has really broad implications. Um, and I think, you know, as we can all sort of see a few years out, it's easy to see that the market's going to be a little bit more, um, you know, let's say the job market is going to be more skewed to the top in system design. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to be able to, you know, think of a concept and then launch a bunch of agents to go build a bunch of MVPs. So I think, you know, broadly speaking, we're going to see an acceleration of innovation in SaaS, um, an erosion of moats, too, because if anybody can sit down and in a day launch a couple of companies, um, you know, there's just going to be a proliferation of startups. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting phase that we're we're entering into. I mean, it's already been it's already gotten a lot easier, right, um, in a sense. Capital is hard right now. Access to capital is hard, uh, but that's always cyclical. But it, but it's gotten easier than it's been. You know, if I look back at the aughts, it was extremely hard to sort of get your infrastructure up and running. Not extremely hard, but you needed a whole infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas already, you know, we, we have our AWS accounts or, you know, our Google accounts or Google Cloud accounts or, or whatever, and we're able to launch much more quickly. Here, we're literally talking about founders being able to sit down and launch end startups um, in a short period of time. So you mentioned that, you know, funding money, uh, raising money and those kind of things for SaaS companies, of course, is cyclical. And that's correct. Yeah. And it goes up and down. But let's forget about that kind of short cycles. And let's think about the five or 10 years period of time. Mm-hmm. That in average, it's really, that's, you know, you look at the average, you don't look at the every single quarter to, to go up and down. Do you think that, you know, for example, during the last 10 years, it has been a great time to start a SaaS company. So if you have been a SaaS founder, for the most part, it has been a great time to really do that because essentially, you know, SaaS has been a great business model to get it working. And if you can past that stage and your post-revenue and the company is really generating, you know, 
good amount of revenue, then it's a very robust business model because it's subscription and you can build easier on top of that and grow. Do you think the next 10 years also would be a great time for SaaS companies and SaaS founders to really go and start? Or do you think based on what we see and this AI kind of technologies and everything, it it's a question mark. There are reasons to believe that might be, or there are reasons to think yeah. maybe not. Well, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on <laughs> SaaS companies. And I think, you know, for the reasons we we're just talking about, I think there's going to be a kind of a Cambrian explosion because you are, you're going to be able to found a company really with minimal friction. Um, and, and maybe even, you know, a company that then has 10 different MVPs in the marketplace, um, mm-hmm. You know, and essentially you've written some prompts and, you know, auto GPT style, uh, you're able to launch these new products. Um, so I think, I think that's the, that's the bold future that's coming. Um, I think what, you know, sort of curbs my enthusiasm probably a little bit is I also think that it's going to be big companies are going to be doing the same thing. Um, and it's actually going to mean that big companies will become more nimble. Um, which is generally not so good for competition or not, uh, so good for the startup ecosystem. So I think we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to see both of those effects sort of at tension, uh, over the next 10 years. Hmm. Very interesting point. Um, now back to Movo, what is your vision about when you say all in one kind of a comprehensive HR, you know, platform what do you mean by very comprehensive a to z what elements are part of that from your vision standpoint yeah absolutely um so uh you know as we conceived the company we really wanted to solve (coughs) pardon me (laughs) we um we really wanted (laughs) we really wanted to solve the problem end to end uh you know all things kind of related to frontline workforce management uh so high volume deployments in uh the medical space you know from hospitals uh to home healthcare and other uh medtech uh kinds of arenas um on on manufacturing on logistics uh, on retail, a lot of these places where, you know, there was going to be a, a longstanding need for workers to be in person with a lot of great technical and professional skills. Um, and where, you know, there was a, a fair amount of deployment complexity. And we wanted to help kind of take all of that complexity out. And kind of as you look at those industries, they also tend to be ones that don't have a lot of really great software, uh, where things are largely managed, uh, pen and paper, you know, cell phones, WhatsApp, text messaging, Excel, um, you know, and, and really some fairly large companies. And as we kind of looked at that space, we realized, you know, that, you know, per our earlier conversation, there was a lot of value in just helping really the value levers were going to come from deploying workers more accurately um, and, and really holistically, not just like in tomorrow's schedule, but then also, you know, in line with their skills and their career development and being able to kind of help people to level up more quickly. And we realized that 
you know, there were going to be frictions in hiring. These are sectors of the economy that were going to be understaffed for at least the next decade. Um, and so, you know, as we kind of looked at all of those problems, we decided that it was really one end to end approach that was needed. Um, and as we initially built out our platform, we really focused on sort of what I would call all of the real time plumbing to be able to handle all of the use cases and, and solve all of those problems um, end to end. And I think as we've, you know, the best way I would describe it these days is probably to think of the metaphor of almost a massive multiplayer online game, because you have similar sorts of dynamics, right? You've got to keep your eye on teams and sort of peer-to-peer -peer interactions as they're happening in real time in what's immediately in front of you. And there are also things that pop up that are interesting because they're timely and, and sort of that's if you sort of in the main UX of our platform, you can see your shifts that are maybe understaffed, maybe overstaffed, running too hot, running too cold. For anybody who's running a hospital, you know, this is very common dynamic, right? As, as you sort of go through the day and the night, um, you can look at sort of and drill into any kinds of issues and imbalances that you have. Um, you can look at your recruiting productivity and see sort of like weeks out where there are issues that are emerging and opportunities that are emerging. Um, and you can manage, you know, a lot of the things that in a similar way, leveling up is akin to, um, you know, sort of what happens in the workplace also is that your workforce is developing new skills. Um, and, you know, going through training and, and able to open up essentially new career opportunities on the platform. So we kind of looked at it in that really kind of holistic, uh, real-time way. And, you know, like I said, the, the real magic is when you start to put really powerful AIs on top of some of these processes as we have, where you're really able to help just, um, you know, obviously the company, but also thousands of workers um, in their day-to-day -to, -day to get ahead. Uh, now, being a data analytic guy, uh, I need to ask you about, for example, what's your vision around the data side of these kind of platforms? And when yeah. I say, you know, the data side, it has different layers. There are layers that are more about integration uh, that needs to be done made perhaps by a super user or developer. There are aspects of no code part of it that you want a business analyst to come in and just work with the no code side of it and doesn't have to code. And you can just hand it over to a business kind of analyst and say, you know, you have all the power you need to really ma manage a lot of things. Um, and then you have the very end user part of it that has to be extremely simple and they need to work with data and gain insight and leverage the you know functionalities from data and analysis perspective so how would you see that on the data side the analytics side the platform yeah you know can do these and which layer is more important from your perspective in your platform yeah yeah 100 yeah, interesting interesting topics in there and um you know especially with this kind of brave new world we're entering uh from the data perspective but um, I would start on data. My first point in data would be that usually 
where HR SaaS struggles is mostly the people that you need data or the, the work that you need data from, uh, usually your workforce doesn't like to use the HR tools. I'll just say it. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of us <laughs> live it. Um, it's mostly seen as, you know, this compliance software that, you know, essentially is being foisted on people. Um, and so really our first problem was how do we get, you know, the, the product itself to be super useful to the end user, to the frontline worker so that we get the data in the first place, we have the adoption in the first place and we're able to do uh, cooler things with it and, and really help the business. So I think data, that's, that's number one question to solve. Once you have all of the data, we've taken a stance that's very much real time and massive. And, and we're trying, you know, there's so much opportunity during the day uh, to optimize schedules and deployments and dispatch. Um, if you're talking about, you know, clean tech and you're talking about a field engineering team, uh, for instance, or if you're talking about a nursing floor. Um, so we really have looked at it first and foremost. We've tried to sort of package the data in a UX that is very interactive, that sort of immediately helps guide you to the big problems and the big opportunities that you've got out there. Um, and then as you drill in, we sort of get into the, you know, I think there's a cadence, there's a natural weekly cadence. We've got a bunch of reporting around sort of the cadence and weekly effectiveness and things like that. And then you get into deeper and deeper uh, sort of uh, queries and, and, and other structured and unstructured. But for the most part, by the time an analyst is pulling something, we've got it fairly structured. Um, but I think it's, you know, frontline supervisors, headquarters supervisors and executives who are over, overseeing, overlooking, uh, you know, a massive workforce. It's generally that is the real time is really what we we tend to do. And as said, the product is basically, you know, it's 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 real time visualizations of what you've got going on from from our live maps to our, um, you know, kind of real-time uh, shift reports. Yeah, and in general, it doesn't matter if it's about getting the data in or getting the data out. We have seen that people tend to move toward that self-service, no-code, low-code world because yeah. it just makes them faster, more nimble. They can change the business rules. Maybe they can change the workflow. They can change the notifications. They can, you know, just do it without getting into the code. And then, of course, as soon as you change the code, there are zillions of things come with it, like the production yeah. and QA and all of that things. So, so we have seen that, that, and I think back to the discussion we had around AI, I think maybe AI can give no code, low code, a totally different meaning in the future. It can really make it push it to a, the next level. So rather than you have to really just use some of these no-code tools to create something, it might be a form, it might be a process, it might be a workflow, it might be a report, it might be a chart, doesn't matter what it is. Maybe that AI technology now can really assist you or even do it for you and without writing a code, but even automating the automation for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and suggesting and, 
And like I said, like on 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 one level, our product is essentially, or at least the the web interface of our platform, is done in such a way that it's just immediately it's sort of real time analytics and it's immediately useful. Um, a, a, you know, a story I would tell is I think we, you know, if you look at at us that came from from the gig economy, um, you know, we tended to run. Uh, our cities uh, in real time with live maps. And there's yeah. been, you know, I don't know if the press always got the project names right, but but basically a system in Uber that we relied on heavily was called Heaven. And Heaven was essentially a live map of everything going on in the city. You can kind of zoom in and out of different cities and, and whatnot. Um, in our platform, we have the same kind of a thing. We have a live map. And it's just a, a very different way of interacting with a massive force. If you imagine a retailer with 30 different supermarkets in a metro, um, the ability to kind of zoom in and know exactly what's going on in the floor in real time is just, it's, it's a whole different management paradigm. You're not sort of looking at the weekly, or you can look at the weekly report and sort of see your efficiency. Um, but that's a little bit more managing by outcomes and managing in the rear view mirror. This is literally live map and you're able to sort of get in and intervene um, wherever there are emerging opportunities. And I think, I think that's a lot more of the trend. And then to your point, there's sort of a secondary place for, uh, you know, essentially Python. It's essentially chat GPT or GPT four already writes really good Python code. And, you, you know, we're not too far away from uh, a platform like ours and many other, you know, SaaS companies out there. Simply having a module where an analyst can can prompt it or, you know, a, an, an untrained business person can prompt it with some analytics and some reporting that they'd like done and having the system kick out a custom report based on that prompt that you've just entered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that's going to be more of the modality. And I, I would, I would bet that we're really just a year or two away from having a lot of that functionality in in the SaaS landscape. Fascinating. Okay, and uh, I would like to ask you also to um, maybe make some suggestions on the books that you liked, some of the greatest books that maybe you have read and you think they are, you know. Um, making positive impacts in what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I would say definitely given this audience too, um, Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm is uh, something that uh, one of the books that throughout my career, I find myself going back to time and time again uh, for all of the, the all of us who are out there building a product, scaling a product, um, you know, bringing it from your early adopters to mass market with all of the, um, sort of strategies and potential pitfalls. That's a great one. Um, one of the first that I recommend. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the overall progression of technology and some of the breakout technologies that are happening to us right now. Um, I love Kevin Kelly's What Technology Wants. Um, I think that's also, um, it's a very meta book, uh, <laughs> um, in a number of ways, but, um, you know, it's really sort of, I think 
really highlights what makes the world move forward and and how sort of technology spreads and and how um you know the world uh how the world advances how we end up uh evolving um as a society um and you know despite whatever disruptions there are um sort of how we end up reorganizing around them uh i think that's one uh i just reread it recently and i think um very germane to the time we're living in right now with these large language models proliferating. Fantastic. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Jason. I'm so glad we had you and uh, I will follow you, of course, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks, Arman. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been uh, great to be here. <laughs> Thank you for listening to SaaS Scaled with Arman Ashragi. For show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode, go to sascale.com. If you're enjoying our show, give us a five-star review and share on LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe for any updates on future episodes. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Curve, the modern no-code analytics solution for SaaS companies on AWS. The tools you need to take action with your data on a platform built for maximum scalability, security, and cost efficiencies. If you're ready to reduce complexity and dramatically lower costs, then contact us today at Curve.com. That's Q-R-V-E-Y dot com. <laughs>